and welcome to Fresh Fusion, a weekly show where we discuss the business, the art, the ethics of content creation on the open web. My name is Jared White, and this episode is titled Mastodon and the Return to Birdsight, aka Twitter. We have an action-packed show for you today. Uh, I realized when talking to a friend the other day that I had never shared publicly why I left Mastodon in the Fediverse and went back to proprietary commercial social networks such as Twitter. So I thought that would be a good topic to cover here on the show. But before we get into all that, I have a few fresh picks of the day. These are news items or something of note that caught my eye that I like to share here on the show. If you would like to submit your own fresh picks, just use the hashtag FreshPick on Twitter, and it may or may not end up on the show here, but it probably will. <laughs> so here are my fresh picks of the day, starting with Google. <laughs> so this is so funny. This is so ridiculous. Uh, so Apple's been rolling out these new privacy labels. It's kind of like you know the nutrition labels, but for app privacy on their app store. And they started rolling out, uh, I think, December 14th. And, and Google apparently has not updated any of their apps for the iOS App Store since the day before those started to roll out. <laughs> so there's now speculation over whether Google is intentionally holding back iOS app releases uh, because they don't want to add these privacy labels warnings. <laughs> uh, Facebook's already done it. You can go look at Facebook's app on the App Store and there's a privacy warning label a mile long. They just went ahead and did that. Uh, but Google has not done that yet for any of their apps, apparently. So this is now a story. And I just think this is hysterical. <laughs> Apple's like, hey, app developers, uh, you should kind of tell your users what they're in for regarding your privacy or lack thereof policies. And, you know, most app developers are, sure, no problem. Some are like, okay, fine. And Google's like, nah, we're going to take our ball and go home. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe this is totally a coincidence. Maybe it has nothing to do with, uh, with Apple's uh, changes to the App Store. It's just pure happenstance. But the weird thing is uh, their apps on Android are all getting updated regularly, sometimes multiple times a day. So, you know, this is just yet another uh, thing that has happened in a long line of, of indications that Google really doesn't give two cents for any of its App Store iOS platform products. <laughs> I mean, they take forever to implement the most barest of features whenever a new OS comes out. It took years to get split screen. You know, it sometimes took a long time to get updated app resolutions. I mean, it's just... <sighs> I, I don't know why anyone who is heavily embedded in the Apple ecosystem at this point uh, chooses to use a bunch of Google products on their iPhone or iPad. It's just terrible. But anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe Google, you know, tomorrow, who knows? Maybe they'll release a bunch of updates and get those privacy labels in there. But <laughs> it's just so funny. All right, so on to the next fresh pick of the day. Um, 
Six Colors, the, the Apple blog run by Jason Snell and Dan Morin. Uh, they recently concluded this epic series called 20 Macs for 2020. Uh, it's the 20 most notable Macs, uh, according to Jason Snell. Not necessarily the best Macs, not necessarily the most interesting Macs or, or beloved Macs. It's, it's the most notable. It's the Macs that generate interesting stories and conversation and have some kind of historical significance. Uh, so I thought it was excellently done. It's not just on the blog. It's also a podcast. It's also a video series on YouTube where Jason Snell and Stephen Hackett get to talk about uh, what the, the Mac is, uh, each one in the series, and show it off uh, in the video, which is cool. Um, so this was just a fantastic series, one of my favorite podcasting events of 2020. Uh, it's even starting to get awards now as being, you know, best uh, newcomer podcast. Of course, it's a one-time thing. It's a limited series, so there won't be a 40 more Max for 2021 or anything like that. But uh, 20 Max for 2020 is great. I put links in the show notes, so uh, please go check that out. And our final fresh pick of the day is a story about uh, Qualcomm. Uh, Qualcomm has a new CEO, Cristiano Amon, and he is taking over uh, at a time when I think Qualcomm uh, is really uh, at, at a little bit of a crossroads in terms of, of you know, where they can go from here. Uh, they've, you know, they've been very successful uh, supplying chips to all the major smartphones except Apple's. So if you buy an, uh, you know, a phone from Samsung or, or LG or whoever, uh, you know, you're getting Qualcomm chips in there. And uh, I think they have a real opportunity to uh, you know, not only capitalize on that market position, but also uh, go after Intel. Because uh, Intel is showing uh, real weakness across the board. I mean, <laughs> the way Apple's M1 chips are just trouncing Intel's at every turn is so embarrassing for Intel. Uh, and I think Qualcomm uh, smells blood. And, and I think you're going to see them going after Intel hard uh, in areas where uh, traditionally you would think, uh, you know, that's Intel's uh, stronghold and, and a, a mobile chip maker like Qualcomm uh, shouldn't even bother. Um, I think ARM in general as a, as a chip architecture uh, is proving itself to be basically, you know, the chip architecture of the future. Uh, x86 <laughs> has long run its course, and you know, it, it's not going anywhere, but it also is not exciting anybody. And obviously, Intel's having massive problems uh, getting onto new, uh, you know, process die sizes, uh, you know, whatever, five nanometer and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's my take on it. I think, I think there's a little bit of a changing of the guard at Qualcomm, you know, not because of any particular problems they're having or, you know, internal corporate politics or whatever. I think it's, it's, you know, I think that they, uh, they want to get, um, some fresh blood. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Cristiano Amon is is certainly no stranger to Qualcomm. He's been there quite a while. Uh, he's he's been an engineer for many years there. Um, but I think um, I think it's just a signal that um, you know they're ready to step it up a notch. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. All right, that concludes our fresh picks of the day, and now on to the fresh insights segment. Why I left Mastodon? Well, 
about a year ago, I recorded an episode, episode 45. There's a link in the show notes. Episode 45 of what was then the Jared White Show about how Twitter had announced that they were uh, funding a new research group called Blue Sky that was going to look into um, open social networking protocols and how Twitter could become more involved in a sort of growing network of social networks that all interoperated with each other through open protocols. And I was incredibly excited. Like, I, I, I read this news and I thought, well, this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment for the Fediverse to shine, the, the federated social network world that uh, was, was growing up around technologies like Mastodon. Um, I, I thought, you know, this is it. This is the validation. Like, the, the market is heading in this direction. Let's celebrate. Woohoo! And then I go into my Mastodon feed and I find a bunch of grumpy tech nerds <laughs> <laughs> complaining about how like oh gosh like you know ha 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 jack dorsey thinks he's going to join the fediverse yeah right that'll be the day and and just talking smack and boot and you know going boo and making fun of this whole thing and uh, you have to realize there's already a bunch of antagonism against twitter in the fediverse such that people wouldn't even use the name it was nicknamed bird site so people would talk about like oh i i had to go post something on bird site uh or, you know, what, what's the latest news from Bird's site? So it's sort of this, you know, sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek, but ultimately derogatory term. <sighs> and this was sort of the, this was the final nail in the coffin for me, because I was already starting to have some issues with the Fediverse. And this was sort of a final straw for me, because I felt like if, as a community of nerds, open source software developers, blah, blah, blah. If we can't just be basically civil and upbeat and excited when a commercial company actually says, hey, we want to do something cool here. We want to reach out to people. We want to investigate this. You know, then why are we here? <laughs> I almost threw an F word in there. <laughs> why the heck are we here? What are we doing? Because, you know, I think some people just want to be grumpy anarchists. I'm just going to go out and say that. And that might make some folks mad. I don't care. Like, if you want to go be a grumpy anarchist and blow up the system and shake your fist at the man, you know, go for it. That's fine. But that's not really the scene I want to be a part of. And that's kind of what Mastodon was was turning into as a community. You know, there, there was sort of this undercurrent of what I might call uh, extreme left politics. And listen, I don't want to get into a political conversation here. I'm not using that term like, you know, you hear extreme right-wing people use, like, oh, the left, ah! I don't mean that. I just mean like, you know, literally just, you know, on a purely objective sense, you could go on to Mastodon and, you know, find a random person on there and look at their feed and it's like, you know, death to capitalism. And like, literally that's what they're saying. It's like, Okay, well, you know, fine. If that's if that's your philosophy, if you want to destroy capitalism, if you think all corporations are evil, if you want nothing to do with commercial, you know, enterprises, you know, if if you think you know America's doomed until we become you know totally socialist, you know, that's totally fine. I don't have a problem with that. That's just not really the scene I personally 
want to be a part of. I mainly identify as a content creator. I'm on social networks because I want to talk about cool stuff that I'm making. I want to find cool stuff other people are making, and I want to revel in that. And, you know, the, the occasional digression into politics is fine, but that's not really what I want out of a social network. So, you know, going on to Mastodon, logging onto my feed every day and seeing just, you know, constant chatter around politics and, and you know, even to the point where you know, everyone was starting to talk about, oh, we need to block this instance or that instance. Uh, and in case you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, uh, in the world of the federated social networks, uh, every, every server or, you know, server farm essentially for a particular network is... Um, is called an instance. So I could run a Mastodon instance, you could run a Mastodon instance, somebody else could run a Mastodon instance, and we could all follow people who are logged into these different instances, and that's what makes it a federated social networking system. Uh, so, you know, I would go onto my Mastodon feed, like, and almost every day, it's like, oh, there's this new instance that came up, and it's run by so-and-so, and they believe in such-and-such, and, such, and there was somebody on there that posted links to this thing, and they're neo-Nazis, so we got to block the instance now. Update your, your, your uh, settings, and, you know, there's just constant chatter around this stuff, and I'm like, man, like, do I have to deal with this every single day? Um, and then another thing was uh, there was sort of this extreme angle around open source software. It wasn't enough to just, you know, be excited about open source software. You had to be like hardcore, libre, free software <laughs> movement kind of, kind of thing. Uh, you know, build your own Linux distro and, and, you know, buy open reference Linux laptops. And you know, I'm like, guys, I'm a happy Apple user. I love my Apple laptop. I love my iPhone. I love my iPad. <laughs> I'm happy to use Linux for server environments to run web software, but I am not going to buy a Librem laptop. I'm not going to switch to an open reference Linux distro phone from some vendor nobody's ever heard of. Like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> and you know, if folks want to get together to talk about that stuff, that's fine. Again, I don't have any problem with that, except I personally am not interested in that. So, kind of getting getting back to to uh, where my headspace was. So, you know, I, I was already I was already sort of souring a little bit on the general tone and tenor of the Mastodon community. Uh, and then this thing happened with Twitter where everyone poo-pooed them looking into open protocols. Uh, and I was just like, what am I doing here? Why, why am I running my own Mastodon instance? Why am I participating in this community? Uh, if, if people are talking about things I'm not really interested in, if people are poo-pooing things I'm excited about, you know, I got to re-examine this. And as I started to re-examine it, uh, more and more things kind of leapt out at me of, of issues I had. So a couple, like just very concrete technical issues that I had with uh, the Fediverse. Uh, a big one was just simply discovery. Discovery sucked. And it probably still sucks because I don't think this is a solved problem yet. Uh, just literally finding notable people was really hard. You know, if, if somebody is making waves, uh, you know, around a particular topic that you're interested in, 
how do you find them? How do you find these people? How does content kind of go viral, as it were, and get shared a lot? How do you find people are doing these cool things? How do you get found yourself? Um, it was it was really challenging. Uh, I just, you know I felt like you know sure I was getting new followers all the time, but I was kind of losing any interactions I was having with past followers. Like there was just a lot of churn. I think you know maybe it was people signing up for this new thing they'd heard about and they're sort of geeky. So they're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to check this out. And then sort of, you know, fell off the wagon after a little while. I think I think there was some amount of that. Definitely, I saw a lot of churn with uh, some, you know, what I'd call more professional content creators I knew, I know. Like, for example, uh, speaking of Six Colors, uh, Jason Snell actually set up like a Six Colors themed Mastodon instance for a little while. And when I first saw that, I was like, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. Uh, all, the, all the fun Mac geeks that I listen to podcasts from and read their blogs, like, they're going to join Mastodon. This is it. This is our moment. Uh, and they set it up. Uh, set up an instance, played around with it, and then everyone disappeared and they took it down. I'm like, what happened? What happened? And I, I still don't know what happened. Did, did they just try it out and say, this sucks or I don't like it or what? I don't know. So it was just increasingly concerning to me that there was all this churn, discovery was hard. Uh, and so, you know, more and more it seemed like the, the only community that was persisting uh, you know, in these Mastodon instances was sort of this, you know, hardcore uh, sort of uh, <laughs> uh, withdrawing from mainstream tech society kind of uh, ethos, which just was not my thing. Um, and the other thing I started to realize as I got more and more into this is Mastodon and the Fediverse, uh, with the protocols that were in place, um, the activity pub spec and so forth, it's all about federating content, but it's not about federating your identity. And I realized that ultimately I kind of want the opposite. In other words, I want to be able to sign in to different instances, aka different communities, I want to be able to, to sign in with some kind of single identity. Like, I'm Jared White. Here's my picture. Here are my social links. Here's my bio. You know, whatever. Here's my, you know, I'm verified as the person I claim to be kind of thing. I, I want to do that once and then be able to freely enter any number of instances and participate in the communities there. And I don't necessarily need those posts to be shared on other instances. I don't necessarily need people there to be able to follow me over here. I, I really just want to participate in single purpose communities as I see fit. But my identity is shared across all these instances. And that was the opposite of what was happening. Because if you, if you create an account on instance A, okay, I'm in this instance, I'm so-and-so, here's my picture, here's my bio, here's my links, whatever. And then you want to separately go sign into instance B. You have to create a new account there from scratch. It has nothing to do with your first account that you already created. It's a totally separate account. There's no connections. <laughs> so you essentially have to like, you know, follow your 
instance B profile from instance A and vice versa, and then like repost content and whatever. And that's the only way to somehow, you know, wire the two up in, in some fashion. So it, I kind of realized, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, it was working the opposite of what I am really looking for. Um, and to me, the thing about social networks is each one really has its own identity. It has its own sense of community, has its own sort of social norms that are sometimes spoken, sometimes unspoken. Like the kind of content that you expect to be able to create and share and appreciate on Facebook is different than what's on Instagram, which is different than what's on YouTube, which is different than what's on Twitter, which is different than what's on TikTok, which is different than what's on GitHub. And yes, GitHub is a social network. That's a topic for another episode. But the point is, like, you can't necessarily take content from one network and, and expect it to translate to another network. I mean, sure, people on Twitter uh, share you know videos from TikTok or whatever. But it's obviously a TikTok video. Like nobody on Twitter is creating videos that are like TikTok videos. You see a video, <laughs> it literally has like a watermark saying TikTok. And it's like, oh, this is a video shared from TikTok. So that's ultimately what I hope for with the federated social network. Like I, I, I would love there to be, you know, some real communities built up around particular topics or or, you know, areas or whatever. Like, you know, if there was a network all about, uh, you know, European cuisine, where people are sharing their recipes for how to, uh, you know, how to bake the most awesome loaf of, of uh, French sourdough bread. Like, you know, <laughs> if there was a, a social network for, um, you know, hiking in the Andes of South America, you know, all, all these different things. Like, like if there were social networks around areas or topics or whatever, and, and, you know, there was really a community there and you went there to sign up there to have your, your social engagements there, you know, that's cool. And then if you can, you know, have this sort of layer on top where you have sort of a shared identity of like, yeah, I participate in this community over here, but I also participate in this other community over there. And you can follow me there if you're interested in that particular community. Like that's ultimately what I'm looking for. And that's actually how things like Discord work. Now, Discord has exploded recently. It's, it's online chat, group chat. Uh, it's it's done really well. It's basically stolen the mantle from Slack in many ways uh, in terms of, you know, if you want to set up a new group chat system for your uh, product, service, interest, games, whatever, like you go to Discord first now. Uh, and there's a reason for that. You are a member of Discord, but when you go into a particular instance, if you will. Now, this isn't open source. This is a centralized system, but they have literally called servers. <laughs> People create servers in Discord. And, you know, when you uh, get uh, invite access to that server, you join and, you know, People talk about whatever the topics are for that server. Uh, usually there's one or more people moderating and you're part of that server. And it's, it's just, you know, it's just what people are talking about in that server. It doesn't go anywhere else. It doesn't get shared anywhere else. It's just conversations happening on that server. Um, but 
it, it's just a single login. So, you know, I go into Discord and I see, you know, a server for, let's say, Bridgetown. I create a server for Bridgetown, the, the open source uh, website software that I maintain. And I can go there. I can look at Bridgetown. But I can also look at some other software server that somebody set up. And I can go look at Cyan's server, the folks that create the Mist games. And I can go look at Relay.fm. They have a server. They're the podcast network. I can go to all these different servers and enter into those chat communities. Uh, but it's a single login. It's a single me. It's just me going to Discord and accessing all these different servers. And that's ultimately exactly what I want for the Fediverse. I want to be able to open up my web browser, go to a particular instance of whatever, and participate in that community, but also see a sidebar where it's like, and these are the 20 other servers instances, whatever you want to call them, that you're a member of, and click over there. And they could all be run by different people. They could have different conventions, different rules, whatever. But uh, I'm sharing my identity across all these different communities. That's what I want. And Mastodon and the current uh, set of protocols uh, are, are the exact opposite of that. It's, oh, you get to participate in a single shared global conversation across all these different instances. Everyone can repost and share and reply and follow and all these things. But you only have one identity on one instance. And if you want to create a, a separate identity, a separate login on a second instance, it's a totally new thing that has no connection to the first thing. Like That, that just kind of seems bananas to me. Uh, and maybe people are cool at that if they want to be, you know, semi-anonymous and have, you know, leet hacker names and you know, sort of whatever, hide their identity. Uh, that's not me. I'm not hiding anything. I'm Jared White. <laughs> I live in Portland, Oregon. I have a podcast. I have a blog. I have a YouTube channel. I do this. I do that. And I want that to be my identity everywhere. And I want all the links and all the bio information and whatever, you know, shared freely across all these different places, right? Because I want discovery. I want people to be able to find me and find the work that I do. And I want to be able to find other people. So all that to say, yeah. So I went back to BirdSight. <laughs> I went back to Twitter because let me tell you, Twitter does discovery really well. Like really well. Like if you follow somebody and they suggest other people to follow, they do a really good job. Like if I follow somebody who's into Ruby on Rails programming, they suggest other people who are into Ruby on Rails programming. <laughs> if I follow somebody who is uh, uh, you know, a movie actress, they recommend other movie actresses to follow. Like it's really easy to find people that are doing interesting stuff. And if you're doing something interesting yourself and you are conscious of how you're targeting your content and your bio and your keywords and all these things and you're getting retweeted by the right people, you start getting followers that are looking for exactly what you're promoting. You know, I, I really got into um, the Ruby community in a big way earlier this year on Twitter. Uh, and it's this virtuous circle. The more I post about Ruby, the more I share links to Ruby stuff, the more I retweet people who are talking about Ruby. Uh, I'm getting followers, people who are interested in Ruby. It, <laughs> it's pretty logical. Um, so, you know, that that's a problem the Fediverse is going to have to solve in a big way. 
they they gotta find a way to solve this discovery problem. You know, putting up a profile directory on an instance is not gonna cut it. Nobody's gonna just look through a random list of a thousand people trying to find you know somebody they're interested in in following. Uh, that's just that's not gonna work. Um, so yeah, the 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 disappointing thing though about Blue Sky, the initiative that Twitter announced basically the beginning of this year is, I don't know if it's going anywhere now. <laughs> and I think a lot of that is due to the pandemic, honestly. I think, you know, the pandemic happened and Twitter, like Facebook, like so many social networks, have had so much to deal with this year around content moderation and scaling and, you know, just all the, all the ways that the pandemic has affected us and affected tech. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all that Blue Sky is just sort of on a semi-permanent hiatus right now, uh, which is a shame, you know, in a, in a normal year, in a normal setting, I think uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, uh, really is interested in more open access, more open protocols around social networking. I think that's something he believes in. Unlike, say, Mark Zuckerberg, who really does want to just own everything and control everything. Um, but I don't know now. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but at any rate, I'm on Bird's site. You can find me at Jared C. White. And this concludes today's episode of Fresh Fusion please uh, go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast to uh, listen to past episodes of the show and subscribe to my email newsletter, which I'm hoping to reboot very soon. I haven't posted my newsletter in, in basically since the pandemic started. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. But uh, hoping to reboot that soon. Uh, and also, please go to Apple Podcasts directory or your podcast directory of choice and leave a review of the show if you've enjoyed it. And that's it for today. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>